The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we discuss 33 instances of college football lore in no particular order. Lately, it occurs to me, wouldn't it be nice to relive some of college football's law? Well, here are 33 instances, some long versions, some short. Number one. Slippery Rock is number one. In 1936, there was a debate over who should be number one, Minnesota or Pittsburgh. One sports writer settled the debate, Slippery Rock. He wrote, Slippery Rock beat Westminster, which beat West Virginia Wesleyan, which beat Duquesne, which beat Pittsburgh, which beat Notre Dame, which beat Northwestern, which beat Minnesota. Therefore, Slippery Rock should be number one. Number two. Sewanee played five games in six days. In 1899, the Sewanee Tigers, or College of the South, played five teams in six days, winning all five by shutout, outscoring their opponents 91 to nothing. Who were their opponents? Uh, Texas A&M, Texas, Tulane, LSU, and Old Miss. Now, for a footnote here, the team had just 13 players, and they finished 12-0, shutting out 11 of the 12 teams they faced. Number three, center with a student body of just 274 knocks off a powerhouse. Center with a student body of 274 enrolled students ended Harvard's 25-game unbeaten streak that dated back three seasons. It was one of the biggest upsets in college football history. Center six, Harvard zero on October 29, 1921. Number four, from second and goal to fourth down and 93 to go. On September 10th, 2017, Louisiana Tech was down 57 to 14 in the fourth quarter, and they had the ball on the two and faced a second and goal against Mississippi State. On second down, the snap went over the quarterback's head and rolled and was kicked and rolled. And well, anyway, eventually it traveled 85 yards. After the 85-yard loss, one play later, Louisiana Tech faced a fourth and 93 at their own seven. They punted, and yeah, Mississippi State won that game. Number five, Chicago Maroons' unique legacy. The Chicago Maroons football program is host to legendary coach Amos Alonzo Stagg, the first Heisman winner, Jay Berwanger, and is the only Big Ten team to have never lost to Notre Dame. Number six, the live Badger. Up until the 1940s, the Wisconsin Badgers had a live Badger as their mascot, somewhere along the line. The school figured out the animal was just too vicious. Number seven, simply the greatest mascot story. 
The story of how Louisiana Tech Bulldogs were chosen as a nickname, well, that falls back to the fall of 1899 and maybe the most compelling mascot story in the history of college football. On the way back from class, five students saw a bulldog sitting under a tree. They fed him and the bulldog followed them back to their boarding house. Given permission to keep the bulldogs just overnight, the students brought the dog to their room. Well, in the middle of the night, a fire broke out and the bulldog awoke the other students and tugging at the sheets to wake them. The students and the bulldog raced outside, only to find that one student still remained in the burning house. Before anybody could react, the bulldog raced into the burning house. Now, soon, the last student came out, but there was no sight of the bulldog. By dawn, the fire was out, and the students ran back to the building to find the dog. The bulldog was lying in a room, untouched by the fire, but sadly had died of smoke inhalation. The students, without saying a word, returned the bulldog to the tree where they found him and buried him in two of the students' jackets. One was red and one was blue. One year later, the student body voted unanimously that the school mascot would be the bulldog and the school colors would be red and blue. Now, the exact location of where the dog is buried is not known, but that bulldog's spirit and love and loyalty has preserved to this day. Now, if there's a lump in your throat, it's only natural. Number eight the greatest college football prank of all time, the great Rose Bowl hoax. In 1961, during halftime at the Rose Bowl, as a prank, Caltech students handed flip cards to the Washington Husky fans who unwittingly spelled out Caltech, and this was viewed by over 30 million watching on TV. Why was the hoax perpetrated? Well, the hoax was planned by a group of Caltech students who were called the Fiendish 14, and they were led by a 19-year-old, Lynn Hardy. They thought that their college was being ignored during that week that led up to the Rose Bowl and their school was just minutes away from the Rose Bowl. In fact, it played some of the home games there. And the final score that day, Washington 17, Minnesota seven. Number nine, in memoriam, the 1941 Montana State Bobcats football team, 11 Montana State players were killed in World War II. Number 10, four teams go undefeated, untied and unscored upon since 1932. Since 1932, here are the only teams that have gone undefeated, untied, unscored upon in Division I. They are the 1932 Colgate Red Raiders, the 1938 Duke Blue Devils, the 1939 Tennessee Volunteers, and the 1942 Grambling State Tigers. Number 11, Yale finishes with 11 undefeated, untied, unscored upon teams. Prior to 1932, Yale fielded 11 undefeated, untied, unscored upon teams. Number 12, legendary coaches Amos Alonjo Stagg versus Fielding Yost in the original Game of the Century. On November 30th, 1905, Chicago 9-0 was coached by Amos Alonjo Stagg and led by Hugo Bezdek, who was the only person to ever coach an NFL team and manage a Major League Baseball team. They faced Michigan, who was 12-0 who's riding a 56-game unbeaten streak, who had not lost since 1900. And their coach, Fielding Yost, well, he was in the last game of his fifth season, and he had yet to lose a game. In the game of the century, it was a scoreless tie into the fourth quarter. With 10 minutes remaining in the game, Chicago punted. But Michigan's Denny Clark fielded the punt behind his goal line and was tackled abruptly for a safety to end the Wolverines' 56-game unbeaten streak. Final score of the game of the century, Chicago 2, Michigan nothing. November 30th, 1905. Number 13, the greatest day in college football history, October 18th, 1924. 
This was the day when the original riot of the four horsemen occurred, inspiring Brantland Rice's famous words that depicted the Notre Dame backfield. And the same day, Red Grange turned in the most famous 12 minutes in the history of college football. Brantland Rice's words began, outlined against a blue-gray October sky, the four horsemen rode again. In dramatic lore, they are known as famine, pestilence, destruction, and oath. These are only aliases. Their real names are Struria, Miller, Crowley, and Layden. Duke Rockney said the 1924 team was his best team. They were 10-0 national championship. The same day, Red Grange, in the first 12 minutes of the game, scored four touchdowns. The first four times he touched the ball, running for 265 yards. And this was all before the first quarter ended in the 39-14 defeat of Michigan. That day, he rushed for 402 yards, and that's was sitting out the second quarter. Number 14, the dotting of the eye. Script Ohio was first scrawled out on the field by the Ohio State University Marching Band on October 10, 1936, and has become the signature formation of the band ever since. Toward the end of the word, Ohio, a high-stepping drum major, and the fifth or sixth year saxophone player high steps out at exactly 16 measures from the end of Flavor Chement. The eye daughter then bows. Why the famous bow? In the second year of the script Ohio, back in 1937, when the drum major arrived at the top of the eye, he arrived four measures too early. So he turned and bowed to the crowd. The crowd roared, and the bow has been a part of the show ever since. Notre Dame bookends. Notre Dame snapped Oklahoma's 47-game winning streak on November 16, 1957. Notre Dame was the last team to defeat Oklahoma. That was back on September 26, 1953, five years earlier. Number 16, Morgan State's 54 consecutive games without a loss. Coach Eddie Hurt's Morgan State team hosted a 54-game consecutive streak without a defeat from 1932 to 1939. Number 17, one bizarre game. One of the most bizarre games in the history of college football was played in 1939 when due to a heavy downpour that flooded the field the field was actually covered with puddles that rose well above the team's ankles. The teams combined for an NCAA record 77 punts, 67 of them on first down. Final score, Texas Tech 0, Centenary 0. Number 18, the legend of Niall Kinnick. Niall Kinnick, the Corn Belt Comet, Iowa Hawkeyes. In 1939, Niall Kinnick won the Heisman Trophy. His acceptance speech is regarded as one of the more eloquent ones ever given at the award ceremony. Quote, finally, if you'll permit me, I'd like to make a comment which is on my mind, is indicative perhaps of the greater significance of football and sports emphasis in general in this country. And that is, I thank God I was warring on the gridirons of the Midwest and not on the battlefields of Europe. At that time, the United States had yet to enter into World War II. The Boston Post wrote in response, the country is okay as long as it produces Niall Kinnicks. The football part is incidental. On June 2nd, 1943, Niall Kinnick died when he crashed his plane that was leaking oil instead of landing to spare the crew on the Lexington. Number 19, the wingback reverse works over and over. On October 17, 1970, Southern Mississippi defeated Mississippi 30 to 20. The Eagle offensive coordinator, Dick Steinberg, concocted a new play for the game, a wingback reverse to Wee Willie Heidelberg. Southern called it twice. Wee Willie scored on both runs, both 11-yard runs. Number 20, the NCAA is born. 
On November 25th, 1905, a player from Yale, his name was J.J. Quill, punched a Harvard player, his name was Hooks Burr. As a result, President Theodore Roosevelt began a process to investigate the violence in football, and this led to the formation of the NCAA. Number 21, the Snow Bowl. Under whiteout conditions with five inches of snow blanketing the field, the worst blizzard in 37 years in Columbus, Michigan defeated Ohio State 9-3 back on November 25, 1950. Now, strangely enough, the Buckeyes did not allow the Wolverines to make a first down, and no team had ever lost a game after not allowing a single first down, before or since. The Buckeyes also had a record four block punts in a game. Again, a feat never accomplished. The Wolverines, how did they score? Well, on a field goal following a blocked punt, and with 47 seconds remaining in the first half, the Wolverines fell on a ball in the end zone after, yet again, another blocked punt. Number 22, the Tower Pass. West Virginia defeated Marshall 92-6 on November 6, 1915. Now, here's one you don't hear very often. Down 92 to nothing late in the game, Marshall wanted to avoid a shutout. So, run Carter and tackle Oki Taylor, they run into the end zone. Quarterback Brad Workman threw into the end zone, where Run Carter jumped on Oki Taylor's shoulders and caught the touchdown pass. Number 23, the wrong way Regals game. Midway through a scoreless second quarter, Cal's Roy Regals picks up a Georgia Tech fumble at the Georgia Tech 30-yard line. He was shoved, he got turned around, and raced 69 yards the wrong way toward his own goal line. His teammate, Benny Lom, chased him down at the California three-yard line, tried to spin him around back in the right direction but he was tackled by a Georgia Tech player at the one-yard line. Final score, Georgia Tech 8, California 7, 1929 Rose Bowl. Number 24, the Big 8 dominates the 1971 football season. The 1971 final AP poll read like this, Nebraska 1, number 2, Oklahoma, number 3, Colorado. The Big 8 took the first three slots in the final AP poll. Number 25, one unusual opposing player. Tulane played its first game in 1893 and lost to the Southern Athletic Club 12 to nothing. Tulane was coached by T.L. Bain, who played for the other team in the game, the Southern Athletic Club. Number 26, paging George P. Burdell. George P. Burdell is a fictitious student officially enrolled at Georgia Tech in 1927 as a practical joke. In 1927, Ed Smith, received two enrollment forms at Georgia Tech. After enrolling himself, he enrolled the fictitious George P. Burdell. Burdell signed up for all the same classes that Smith did. Smith would go ahead and submit all the work twice. By 1930, George P. Burdell had earned a bachelor's degree and a few years later, a master's degree. Why are we even discussing this? Since 1927 to this day at Georgia Tech football games, there are times you will hear a student paging George P. Burdell. Paging, George B. Burdell. Number 27, HBCU football moves the civil rights movement forward. Five months after the assassination of Martin Luther King in 1968, a football game between two HBCU college football teams furthered the path of the civil rights movement. On September 28, 1968, Louisiana's Grambling College Tigers and Baltimore's Morgan State Bears met at Yankee Stadium marked the first time two HBCU schools played in New York City, with more than 60,000 in attendance and millions watching the game on ABC, Morgan State made a goal line stand in the final moments to defeat Grambling 9-7. Number 28, the quote to end all quotes. 
uh, this is my favorite quote. When Princeton's Dean of Students told Dick Kazmaier, the 1951 Heisman Trophy winner, that he had won the Heisman, Kazmaier replied, I thought it was nice. Then I went back to class. Number 29, a most unusual tackle. In 1953, in a 28-6 to defeat of Alabama, one of the most unusual plays in the history of college football occurred when owl Dickie Mogul ran down the sidelines and was tackled by Alabama's Tommy Lewis, who had come off the sidelines, off the bench, to make the tackle. Yeah, Mogul was awarded a touchdown. Number 30, and now the goalposts have been taken on the campus. On October 8, 1988, Columbia ended their 44-game losing streak, defeating Princeton 16-13. Columbia had not won a game in six years, dating back to 1983. The Lions fans tore down the goalposts and carried them onto campus. Number 31, the incomparable Brooks Dawson. On October 28, 1967, in a 75-12 victory over the University of New Mexico, the crowd was witness to the greatest six consecutive passes in college football history. UTEP quarterback Brooks Dawson opened the game against New Mexico with six touchdown passes on his first six throws of the game. The next season, on October 26, 1968, the same Brooks Dawson threw for 304 yards in the final 10 minutes, 21 seconds of the fourth quarter in a 31-25 defeat of BYU. Number 32, the legend of George Gipp. Newt Lockney first saw George Gipp on the football field practicing drop kicks. The kicks were incredibly accurate and incredibly long. Lockney approached Gipp and Gipp ended up joining the freshman football team. The Gipper, George Gipp was to become the most versatile player Newt Rotney ever saw. Now, that's good enough for us. George Gipp went on to lead the Irish in rushing and passing for three seasons, and his record 8.2 yards per carry still stands today. Now, tragically, against Northwestern, George Gipp contracted strep throat. George Gipp died at the age of 25 of streptococcal throat infection and pneumonia, three weeks after the win. He was the person Newt Rotney referenced in his win for the Gipper Street a speech to end all motivational speeches. 33, the origins. On May 5th, 1866, Princeton defeated Rutgers 40-2 in a baseball game that gave way to the birth of college football. Rutgers student William Leggett challenged Princeton to a new game. On October 6th, 1869, Rutgers beat Princeton 6-4 in the first college football game. College football lore, like the Grateful Dead's Jerry Garcia once said, lately it occurs to me what a long, strange trip it's been. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.